Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen.
taken away from me many times. How about you? Hallelujah. Glory. I'm glad he's a way maker this morning. Thank you, Judah. Good job this morning. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the word that's about to come forth. I ask God that I can preach it with boldness, clarity, simplicity, and above all, accuracy. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing to you today. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that can believe and receive. And we thank you in advance for revelation. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Do as you please. This is your, your service. You lead it, you guide it any way you want to. And we will follow. Thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amplified is dismissed. Children, you're dismissed. Praise the Lord. Good job this morning, Judah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew chapter 7, it's a familiar story. I know I've preached on it before, but we can never exhaust the word of God, exhaust the scripture. Matthew 7, 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate. This is Jesus talking. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name? and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, the word of God, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Hallelujah. You know, we've been learning about the new commandment that Jesus gave us, that we're to love one another, love our neighbors, love ourselves, and love our enemies. In other words, we're to walk in love with everybody. And we've learned that there is no greater love than the love that God has for us. 
And I do want to continue teaching on the new commandment and the love of God, but God placed something else on my heart this morning that feels really important. It doesn't mean that I'm done teaching on, on the, the love walk, but what it means is I've learned over the years to allow God to interrupt me anytime he wanted to. And it means that God is inserting something into this teaching on love uh, that's important. It's like a parenthetical passage in a book. You see a lot of that in Revelation. They'll be talking about one thing and then they'll give you a parenthetical statement that brings you back to something or forward to something and then they'll continue talking about the subject. That's kind of what we're going to do this morning. And uh, when I talk about preachers this morning, I'm going to be talking about me too. And uh, we freely speak of and preach about the love of God, and we should, but not without the counterbalance of another side of God called God's wrath. There's two sides to God, and it's like a balance scale. If we preach too much of one, not enough of the other, we're out of balance. So we got to try to maintain a balance and preach on both sides of God. And we can't leave out or water down or skip over or downplay God's hatred for sin because he does hate it. And his displeasure in disobedience because it is displeasing to him when we don't walk in obedience. And when we don't preach that way on both sides, it leaves us off balance. And, you know, I'd rather preach the goodness of God than the wrath of God. But we need to hear both. Amen. We need to realize the seriousness of sin and what it cost God to save us. Salvation is free to us, but it didn't come free to him. It was very costly to him. It cost God his only begotten son. The prophet Isaiah tells us, it cost, uh, he tells us Jesus was despised and rejected, acquainted with grief. Jesus was despised and rejected by his own people and he was acquainted with grief grief was nothing unfamiliar with the Lord he was disrespected he bore our griefs he carried our sorrows he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities he was chastised for our peace and he was beaten for our healing his death was completely substitutional. He didn't deserve to die. He took our place because we deserved to die. And he died for our sin. He was sinless. He was the perfect Lamb of God. But did you know it was God the Father that bruised him? It was God that put him to grief. It was God that made his soul an offering for sin. And it was, uh, and Isaiah said that it was our sin. And he said it was the Lord's will to crush him, Jesus, and cause him to suffer. He hath put him to grief. God did that to his own son. You might wonder why would God do that to his son? I'd never do anything like that to my son or my daughter. It's because God had a bigger picture. And God viewed Jesus, his son, as a seed that was going to be planted in the ground in death, but it was going to rise and it was going to produce a harvest of, of men and women, that's us, uh, and a large 
harvest in a large family for God. So God was looking beyond the death of his son, and he was looking at the fruit of it. Romans 6.23 tells us clearly that the wages of sin is death, and someone has to pay that debt. And Jesus paid it for us. He died for our sin. So for us to continue doing the things that caused God to bruise him and nail him to the cross, to think that we can still live a sinful life of sin after accepting his sacrifice, then we are terribly deceived. The wrath and anger of God poured out on his son should have been poured out on us. We're the ones that sin. But Jesus stepped in and took our place, not so we can sin, but to save us from sin. God hates sin because of what it did to his son. And grace is what kept God from pouring it out on us. But you have to understand that if grace is powerful enough to save us from sin, then grace is powerful enough to keep us from sin. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. And so there's power in grace. Grace is not just undeserved merit or undeserved favor uh, or undeserved merit. Grace is a power. It's an anointing. And when he told Paul, who, who prayed and asked for this, uh, this messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him, he asked three times, take this from me. And God said, mm-mm. My grace is sufficient for you. You've got the power to overcome it. And you have the power to overcome sin through grace. Grace is more than something slippery that we slide into heaven on. Grace is the power of God and the anointing of God to keep us from sin. Amen. Now there's no doubt that God loves his son. He didn't bruise him because he didn't like him. But yet he poured out his wrath on him to save us. Does that mean he loves us more than his son? No, I don't think so. There's another side to God that we need to recognize and we need to understand. And, and we have developed over the years, and I may be guilty of causing some of it myself, but we've developed this Santa Claus image of God in our minds. And it's mainly because of one-sided, off-balance preaching and teaching. And we as preachers don't tell you often enough that God is a holy God and he hates sin and doesn't tolerate it. We think God tolerates sin because of love, but he doesn't tolerate sin. He hates it. Moses learned that early on in his ministry. He was... In Mount Horeb, he just received the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. And in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 8, it says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, Moses, there on Mount Sinai, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. He will not clear the guilty. 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And here's what Moses did. Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Moses immediately recognized that God is a holy God and God does not tolerate sin and he made haste to bow down and worship him. He said that he will by no means clear the guilty. And Moses recognized God's holiness and all those wonderful things that God, that was said about God, being merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant goodness and all of that. These are the things that we like to preach about. It's fun to preach about God's goodness, but we also have to preach the other half of God and we should preach that he will by no means clear the guilty. That's the message we don't preach often enough, the one I'm preaching today. It tells us that God will by no means clear the guilty and that those who willfully sin are guilty. If you willfully sin, you're guilty in the eyes of God. And you're going to have to answer for that sin. In other words, we need to preach that God will hold us accountable for our sin. There's no free ride on sin. We might think there is because of the Santa Claus preaching that we've received and all the preaching on the goodness of God and how he wants to prosper us and how he wants to bless us and how he wants to do good things for us. And we preach that into the ground. And nothing wrong with that because God is all of those things. But we're, we're guilty sometimes of preaching the Santa Claus gospel that God not only loves us, but he tolerates our sin. And he doesn't. It's not a true statement. We portray God as this loving, giving God who only wants to prosper and bless us all the time, but expects nothing in return from us. I want this. I want that. I need this. I need that. I, I need help with my mortgage. I need a new car. I need tuition money. I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And I just got a bad report from the doctor and I need you to heal me. We're looking for no fault, no obligation religion. You do everything for me, God, and don't expect anything from me. You're not going to get my respect. You're not going to get my honor, obedience, praise and worship, service, loyalty, or appreciation for the things that you do for me. You owe me. I didn't ask to be here. And since you put me here, you owe me. But here's the thing. We pray for God to heal us or to get us out of a jam or bless us and help us with our mortgage and everything. And when he does, where are we? How do we show our appreciation? What do we give him in return? How do we thank him? You might ask, well, what can I give God? He has everything. What do I have that he wants? He wants your obedience. He wants your worship. He wants your service and commitment and loyalty. You can't buy these things. And we treat him like we would Santa Claus for putting a present under the tree. And then we continue in our sinful lifestyle with no change in our behavior. 
How many times do you think God is going to bless you or God is going to heal you with nothing in return, with no appreciation? All we want to do is say a simple prayer so we can go to heaven. But we don't want to repent or change anything in our life. Dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yay, I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. And then we turn around and live the same life that we were supposed to come out of. That prayer might have got you through the narrow gate, but it will not keep you on a narrow path. Because if you said that prayer without any true repentance, then as soon as you enter the gate, you're going to go to the Broadway. Because it's easier. That's why there's many that go in there at, and few that take the narrow path. The narrow path requires some sacrifice. It requires some discipline. I know these are bad words today, but it's the truth. If that's all you ever do is say a prayer and nothing in your life changes, then you will one day die and go to hell. I know a message like this isn't going to make me popular, but I love you enough to tell you. You know, when I was a kid, there were times when I would get into trouble at school. I know that's hard to believe. But I remember praying on the way home that my father would work late that day so he wouldn't be home when I got there. I wanted my mom, I wanted to deal with my mom because I could sweet talk her and sometimes even talk her into not telling my dad what happened. There was times I couldn't know, but there were times that I could sweet talk. You might say, what's that story got to do with what I'm talking about? Well, we all want to go to heaven, but if we've been living a sinful lifestyle, then we won't want God to be there when we get there. Amen. We want all the benefits, all the blessings, all the joy of heaven, but we don't want God to be there when we get there. I know it sounds hard, but it's true. I didn't want my dad to be home. Not until that thing blew over. And most Christians believe they're saved and on their way to heaven because they said a prayer or had water dribble over their heads as an infant. And some people even think all they have to do is claim to be a Christian and they'll go to heaven. Just, you know, you ask the average person on the street, 75% of them will say they're Christians. And, and most of them never darkened the doorway of a church, never said a prayer, never read the word of God. This is a Christian nation, so I'm a Christian. I'm going to ride the coattails of this Christian nation right into heaven. No, you're not. It's faith in Jesus Christ and him alone that saves you. And it's not just reciting a prayer like it's some kind of a magical incantation or formula. No, salvation must be accompanied by repentance. And because of repentance, change comes. Real salvation, being born again, truly born again, requires you turning from sin. And that will change your life. You can't just... Uh, say a prayer or call yourself a Christian and then continue living the way that you've always lived, your life will change 
And when you're really and truly saved, when you're really and truly born again, your life will change because you'll want to be different. You've changed masters. And your new master has a new nature. And he's wonderful and he's good and he's loving. And when that nature goes into you, that's the way that you want to be. And it will change your life. And I'm not saying we have to be perfect. God don't expect us to be perfect. His son was the only one that was ever perfect in this, in this earth. And he got crucified because he was perfect. He got crucified because he was good. God don't expect us to be perfect, but he does expect us to live a holy life to the best of our ability. This one pastor and evangelist used this illustration to describe real salvation. And it really opened my eyes and gave me some understanding. He said, this preacher showed up late for a service that he was supposed to be preaching in. And when they asked him why he was late, he said that he had a flat tire on the highway. Okay, I can accept that. But then he went on and said that one of his love nuts rolled out into the highway. And without thinking, he went out there to get it. And when he did, this big tractor trailer doing 70 miles an hour ran him slap over. That's why I'm late. Well, they looked at him and said, that's impossible. There's no way you could have had an encounter with something that big and that powerful without incurring significant permanent change. We should be able to tell by looking at you, you got ran over by a tractor trailer. And his point was this, God and the Holy Ghost is way bigger, way more powerful than any force on the earth, including that tractor trailer. So you can't tell me that you had an encounter with the Holy Ghost, got born again, and there wasn't some type of significant permanent change in your life. If you say you're born again and there's no change in your life, then I don't believe that anymore and I do the tractor trailer story. Amen. I should be able to tell according to Jesus by the fruits that you're producing. But we ain't supposed to judge. I'm not judging. I'm a fruit inspector. I'm inspecting your fruit. And if the fruit is bad, the tree is bad. Jesus said that. When we have a real encounter with God, it will change our lives for good. Bring permanent change. It's no, you know, it's not going in and out, up and down. I'm saved one day, I'm lost the next day. I'm healed one day, I don't believe in it the next day. It's not like that. I'm telling you, I had a real encounter with Jesus Christ. I was a Catholic most of my life, and I went to this little old Pentecostal church, and the preacher prayed for me, and I had a real encounter with Jesus Christ. I felt him. I felt his love. I felt him put his arms around me and hug me, and nobody was around me. That changed my life. That encounter was powerful enough to change my life. And because of that one encounter I had with him, I'm here today as a preacher. I've dedicated my whole life to the ministry in Jesus Christ because of a real encounter. So you can't have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, or God himself, and walk away unchanged. It's impossible. Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. 
old things, the old nature has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. Now, I'll admit that, you know, when the Holy Ghost comes into you, it's something called regeneration. He regenerates your spirit. That's why it's like being born again. You have a brand new start, spiritually speaking. But the flesh is left for you to deal with. You have to discipline the flesh. You have to read the word of God that tells us how to live. What is good, what is bad. What we should do, what we shouldn't do. And I'm not talking a bunch of, a bunch of commandments or rules of do's and don'ts and this and that. But you just know if it's right. And the Bible says to him to know that know to do good, but doeth it not to him that is sin. If you know something is good to do, you should do it. And don't tell me I didn't know. You know if it's good or bad. You know if God will approve of it or not. There's no excuse for that. Are we going to miss it? Yes, but just admit it. My, my flesh called and I answered. I, I, I was in a weak moment and I answered the flesh. And I yielded to it, and I did something I shouldn't do. Forgive me. And get that sin under the blood and get the forgiveness of God back in your life. Get back on that narrow path and start walking again. Hallelujah. I should be able to tell by the fruits that we're producing. Mine too. I'm talking to you too. You know when I point to you, I got three pointing at me. I ain't going to point like Brother Daryl. Have everything pointing at you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we were born again, the Holy Ghost, the most powerful force on this earth, even more powerful than the locomotive and even more powerful than that tractor trailer, came into your life, regenerated you, and put you on a new path, the straight and narrow path. But it's up to you to stay there. We should love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. If we don't, then we need to examine our salvation. Preachers preach about how good God is, and they should, and he is. And we preach about how forgiving God is, and we should, and he is. We preach about how loving God is, and we should, and he is. But we don't preach about how holy God is, and how he expects us to be holy too. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's our Father. That's the nature that was imparted into us when we were born again. And we confess Jesus as our Lord. And we entered in through the narrow gate, the straight gate. We don't preach enough, and I'm guilty of it myself. We don't preach enough about how terrible sin is or how much God hates it and how we should hate it too. We don't preach about sin with the seriousness that it deserves and how it will destroy your life and bring the wrath of God on you someday unless you repent and change and turn 180 degrees unless you show some permanent significant change and we need to understand that sin is so serious that God allowed his only son to be tortured whipped beyond recognition 
and crucified because of it. And if we take it so lightly and superficially, then we don't understand the seriousness and I think we need to question our salvation and even ask ourselves if we're truly born again. I know a lot of times people leave God and leave the church and you know we call it backsliding and we call it going taking the broad path you know but it's really no such thing as backsliding this is just my opinion I think I could prove it by the word if I had to and it would keep me out of jail but this is my opinion that I don't think it's possible for a true Christian that's born again really been born again love God to turn around and backslide. I believe he can slip up, he can sin, he can fall into a period of time where he's not where he used to be, but he'll always come back. If, uh, you know, if, if the Holy Ghost inside of you and you step off the narrow path and you get to the broad way, he's gonna give you a nudge. He's gonna convict you and he's gonna tell you you're going down the wrong path. Change your course. Change your course. And of course, we have the ability to choose. God give us that dangerous ability of a free will. But if God is, if you had a really born again experience and the Holy Ghost is dwelling inside of you, you won't stay on that broad path very long. You'll get back over to the straight and narrow and you'll repent and you'll ask God's forgiveness. Amen. If we think we can lie and cheat and drink and smoke pot and take drugs, abuse our spouse, fornicate, adulterate, steal from our employer, and hate our neighbor, if we think that we can live a life of sin like that with no regard for God or what it costs his son, the one we call Lord and Savior, then all I can say is that we are terribly deceived. If you think you can say a simple prayer or be baptized as an infant and then live any way you want and still call yourself a Christian and expect to go to heaven when you die, you are terribly deceived. Paul said, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then he says, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You can't reap them both. It's going to be one or the other. And when you said that prayer and confessed Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit came into you. Like I said, a force far greater than any force on earth, including that tractor trailer. And he regenerated your spirit and you were born again. We don't teach enough about regeneration. Regeneration means that you change. Things change in you. you. You took off the old nature, the old man, and you put on the new nature, the nature of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Also, the nature of God has been shed abroad in our heart. The Holy Ghost brought that with him. The nature of God is in us. Love is in us. And a desire to worship God is in us. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. 
and then love your neighbor as yourself. So that love that he's talking about, that agape love has been shed abroad in our hearts, it's in there. And, and sometimes we can't love somebody, like I said before, we can't love somebody with our natural fickle love because we got a problem with them or we've got a grudge against them. But I'm telling you, if you reach down inside your heart, you can love them with the love of God and eventually your fickle human carnal nature love will come around and love them too. But you got to want that. You're born again, but if there's no lasting, ongoing repentance and lasting, ongoing change, we need to go back to the cross. And we need to re-examine our salvation. Repentance is not a one-time event. It's a daily process. And you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you to help you and to keep you on the narrow path. And you should be grieved when you sin. As soon as you get off the narrow way, you'll feel the love of God and the conviction of the Holy Ghost nudge you back in the right direction. And you should want to repent. And you should want to turn 180 degrees as soon as you feel that repentance. As soon as you feel that, that nudging and that conviction from the Holy Ghost, you should want to repent. And it's a daily choice. God gave us choice. He gave us a free will. And in order to have a free will, uh, he has to give you things to choose between. That's why he gave Adam and Eve two trees in the garden. And he says, choose. And all through the Bible, he told Joshua, choose you this day who you shall serve. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So we have to make choices all the time. Every day in life, we make choices and you're sitting where you are in life today because of choices you made, good or bad. It was your choice that you made. And God honors that. And God will honor it to the extent that if you choose to go to hell, he'll allow you to do it. He won't violate your will. That's why we have to renew our minds on the word of God. We need to learn how to make good choices. And it's a daily choice to walk the narrow way. We've seen in our opening scripture, two gates with two paths, two types of trees. A good tree that bears good fruit that will get you to heaven, and a bad tree that bears bad tree, fruit that will cause you to go to hell because it's going to get cut down and thrown in the fire. We've seen two houses, two people, both of them building houses. One is saved because he laid the right foundation and chose to build on it by doing the word of God. The other is lost because he chose not to lay the right foundation and he didn't build on it because he chose not to do the word of God. So the foundation we should build on is Jesus Christ or the word of God, the living word of God. I mean, those in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the same was in the beginning with God. He is the word, he's the living word. This is the written word. He's the living word. And that's what that's the foundation that his church is being built on. The foundation of the revelation that he is the Christ. So we need to lay the right foundation. We need to build on the right foundation if we want something to last. 
And the foundation we should be building on is the word of God. And the question is, are you building on it by doing the word? It's not just saying a prayer and living your, your old, old ways and your old sinful life. Are you walking in love as we're commanded to do? It's a choice. We choose to walk in love. Love is a choice. That's why the love of God is not fickle because it doesn't matter how it makes us feel. We love because we chose to love. Are you building your marriage on the foundation of the word of God? Are you raising your children on the word? Are you building your finances on the word? Are you building your faith on the word? If you are, you're building on the right foundation. Keep building. It's going to last. The lost man hears the word of God. He hears it preached, but he lays no foundation. He heard the same word that the other builder heard, but he lays no foundation. No evidence in his life that he had a real encounter with Jesus Christ. No evidence that the word of God or his relationship with Jesus Christ is changing or forming his life. No evidence of that. And then there are those who profess Jesus as Lord and do the will of the Father. And then there are those who profess Jesus as Lord and do not the will of the Father. Choices. We all have the same choices to make. The same word, the same trees, the same building, the same foundation. We choose what we're going to do with it. And Jesus said they will be cast out, the ones that uh, call him Lord, but do not the will of the Father or do not the word of God. They will be cast out and hear him say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness or you who work iniquity or you who live in sin. Depart from me. And I know this is a hard word this morning, but I love you enough to preach it. I also know there are people that are going to hear this that aren't really saved and they don't know it yet. But maybe they'll know it this morning. Why? Because they're not producing the fruits that I'm talking about. Amen? And I'm not talking about any particular type of sin. I'm talking about sin. Period. The sin that nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. The sin that caused God to bruise him and put him to grief. The sin that caused him to take the humiliation that he did with the beating, the arrest, the mock trials, the pulling out of his beard, the slapping of his face, the whipping beyond recognition, all of these things that he took. That's what I'm talking about this morning. That's what sin caused. So it doesn't make any difference if it's a little sin or a big sin, like we like to think, because there is no little sins and big sins. There is just sin. Amen? And I don't care if it's adultery or using the Lord's name in vain. They're equal in the eyes of God. Sin is sin. And that's the same sin that did all those things to Jesus. We should realize the seriousness of the sin. And when we think that we can disregard the word and live any way we want and sin any way we want, I hope you remember what Jesus went through because of that sin that you think is okay. It's not okay with God and it shouldn't be okay with us. Amen?
Hallelujah. Now I'm getting ready to close. I know I'm closing early, but I, I made a promise to myself. And we'll try to keep it today. <laughs> but this would be a good time to have an altar call and have everybody say the sinner's prayer again. But I'm not going to do that. Because I'm telling you, without recognizing the seriousness of sin and without repentance, we might as well come up here and recite Mother Goose. Because that's how much that prayer, how much good that prayer will do. None at all. So we're not going to say the printer's, sinner's prayer again because according to what we just learned today, calling him Lord doesn't count if you're not doing his word. You can say all the prayers you want. You can get baptized all you want. You can have water poured on your head till a flower pops up. It's not going to do any good without repentance. But I'll tell you what I do want you to do. I want you to meditate on what you heard today. I want you to examine yourself today and come to your own conclusion as to whether or not you're really walking on the narrow path or you're just being a hypocrite. And if you're not on that narrow path, you'll know if you're not. You already know, but I still want you to meditate on it. I still want you to think about your life, where it's been, where it is now, where it's going. How much of God is in your life? How much of God needs to be in your life? And if you realize you're not where you're supposed to be, do your own praying. Do your own repenting before God. Don't do it before me. Don't do it before this church. Do it before God. And make it right before it's too late. Do you want to hear, well done, my faithful, my good and faithful servant? Or do you want to hear, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness? I don't even know you. I know what I want to hear. When I die, I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Come, enter in to the joy of the Lord. Enter into heaven and enjoy the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, I believe I obeyed you today. I believe I preached what you wanted me to preach. Maybe not as well as I should have preached it but I think they got the message this morning I pray they did I pray they heard it with spiritual ears I hope they could see where they're at where they need to be where they've been where they're going and I know that and I trust that you will show them how to get there I pray that those on the narrow path will repent change directions get back up or on the broad path they'll repent change directions, get back over on the narrow path where they belong. And God, let's turn the narrow path into the broad path. Make that way to hell the narrow path that holds few. And the other one broad enough to hold everybody, God, that wants to come into heaven and come into your joy. We thank you.
praise you for it. Give us the strength we need, the help that we need. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. I want to end on a good note. It's not snowing yet. <laughs> but the rest take home with you. Do something with it. Don't just, don't just let it be another message from old pastor. This is a message from God. God is calling us to a closer walk with him. A closer relationship with him. And there must be a reason for it. I don't think things are going to be getting easier as time goes on. I think they're going to be getting harder and tougher. And we're going to need him and we're going to need the Holy Ghost to guide us through this time. Amen? Yeah. God bless you. I love you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.